0: Back to Are your parents proud of you? I'm your host Matthew Schufrider, and I'm joined by.
1: Oh, that's my cue. Uh, hi, I'm I'm Griffin. I do something. I do I do a few things around here. You'll but you look, you'll never find out about it.
0: Well, just not around here because you're not even in the same room as, as me right now.
1: No. Well, that's what happens when there's a global pandemic.
0: Thanks, global pandemic. Yep. Well, time to get to the show. Today we have on um, Kevin Pollock. Now,
1: last week I did say to you guys it's not the It's not the guy from the Usual Suspects. Not
0: the guy from the Usual Suspects. This
1: and is... other movies of his that I can't remember. Yeah. Well, that means they're forgettable. Um uh, no, just... he was in what else? I don't remember what else he was in. Yeah, Something. He has a chat show. I
0: recommend that. It's pretty good.
1: Wait, are we still talking about Hollywood Kevin Pollock or or
0: Hollywood Kevin Pollock?
1: okay but that's not our guest today so we should get off of that who's our guest today matt
0: the chicago
1: kevin pollack p-o-l-l-a-c-k that's yeah there's a there's a c in there yeah
0: you know it's funny i texted him before we started this interview uh how many times he gets compared or mentioned to the other oh i bet yeah kevin pollack and he says all the time
1: does does he get like annoyed at it or is he cool with it i'm sure he's cool with it but okay uh, i hope so (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I met this Kevin Pollack in 2016 when I did my first paid theater production and meet John Doe. I knew he was talented when I met him, but I didn't know how talented he was when he did a Bernie Sanders impression for the show.
1: Oh, well, that's the mark of true talent right there. <laughs> you can do a Bernie Sanders impression. You can do anything.
0: <laughs> Other than that, Kevin is an actor, singer, songwriter, composer, talent manager, producer and a laundry folder.
1: He is Wait, best- what?
0: Yeah, he can fold laundry. It's on the I, resume. It's a special oh,
1: That's that's is that actually on his resume? Yes it is. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> I put I can shave and grow a beard on mine, so come on, you gotta put the silly things on him. Of course. Absolutely.
1: I think I think my beard growing skills are also mentioned in my resume too somewhere. Oh,
0: your, your, your beard is majestic.
1: Um, oh, thank you. No problem, buddy. Uh, your, your stash game is on point.
0: Well, it's a given. Other than that, Kevin is best known for portraying real-life icons Joe Conker and Roger Ebert in production Damn. of Men Are Soul and The Black White Love Play. The story of Chaz and Roger Ebert both played at Black Ensemble Theater. He is also currently performing as Jake Elroyd and a Blues Brothers tribute band called the Blues Brothers. That's B-L-O-O-Z-E. Blue. Oh, that's awesome. Isn't that great?
1: That, that's fantastic.
0: During this pandemic, Kevin has created and hosted Zooming the Movies, a live streaming channel where actors from across the country come together and read famous movies together. Movies such as Forrest Gump, Dead Poets Society, Spaceballs, uh, Tombstone, and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. The channel has gotten so big that actors from Hollywood and Broadway have even joined in. In our conversation, Kevin makes a special announcement regarding the channel. We recorded this conversation on August 25th. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation with Kevin P-O-L-L-A-C-K. Hey, Kevin. Hey. Thanks for doing it. Great. Thank you for doing (laughs) this. um uh, zoom we're already on the roll um so we you know it's august and you know you and i have done so many projects together um how are you doing first of all with everything going on in the
2: world i'm i'm honestly doing great i mean i've had more opportunities come to me during this pandemic than when we didn't have a pandemic so it's been overwhelming and exhilarating all at the same time. So yeah you're one of the only people who can say this pandemic
0: has been good for them in some ways um, surprisingly yeah <laughs> like i remember when we talked back in april on my other show you know you shaved your head
1: <laughs>
0: you were now I all that- yeah you, you're looking really good uh for our listeners kevin has great hair um yeah no problem um but yeah so that's great um so let's dive right into you. You grew up in Illinois, Buffalo Grove, correct? hmm
2: Yeah. What were you um, like as a child? Annoying. Very, very annoying. I'm an only child, so you can only imagine how my parents most felt. Um, and, uh, you know, I was always into the arts. I was always, in, you know, wanting to do theater and music. My parents would take me to concerts since I was a little kid all the time, so... You know, music and theater has been around me since I, you know, since I was really, really little. And they used to take me to Las Vegas um, every year or every other year. And I would, you know, see shows and like, who takes kids to Vegas back then? But they did. And um, they got me, you know, interested in all the shows and, and the rides. And, you know. uh, but, yeah, I was, I was very spoiled. I was a very spoiled child. You were original Vegas baby right there. Pretty much, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. what did your parents do for a living and where do you think that
2: love of music and the arts came from for them? Uh well my, my dad wor- worked for a lot of different companies as an IT. Uh, not anymore. He's he's retired now. And my mom's worked in law for you know, so many years, but they've always been fascinated with music and they used to blast music around the house and uh, I'd be dancing to it in the living room, and and as I said, they would take, you know, all the fests every summer and see bands, and, um, you know, they're not, well, actually, they are both former musicians back when they were younger. My mom played uh, keys and piano, and, and my dad played drums, so, and now I play, I can play piano and keys and kind of taught myself through the years and, and for my writing and whatnot, but, but, yeah, that's that's where it all started. Yeah.
0: You know, do you remember the kind of music you were listening to it was a lot of rock,
2: soul? Oh, yeah. Very. A lot of Pink Floyd, uh, a lot of Santana. Those are my parents' favorite bands. A lot of Beatles, um, Genesis. You know, it, it was like a spectrum of different styles of music. Um, but my mom's favorite group was Santana. So there was a lot of Santana. The house. Um, and a lot of Pink Floyd. Those are like their two favorite groups. So two completely different groups uh, that were played around the house often. What was the ballad then that really stuck with you? Um, you know, I, I've been singing since I was a little kid. My my aunt, my mom's sister, um, is a singer. And we used to duet all the time at the house and and uh, out in public at karaoke and stuff like that. And, you know, my aunt would be have a gig singing somewhere and she'd bring me up to sing with her. And, uh, you know, we went into a recording studio one day and recorded like a cassette tape an actual cassette tape back in the nineties. Um, and, uh, she got, she really got me into singing. Um, and you know, it stuck with me. I would, I would sing everywhere I was and, and sing along with everything. And, uh, yeah, that kind of just and my mom was like I think he's onto something and and you know, cuz I've been doing theater since elementary school like that far back over 20 years.
0: I was going to say, "Do you remember do you remember that first show you did?" or
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um it was Annie in elementary go. school. I was FDR in the wheelchair. There you go. And then right after that, I was in Annie Get Your Gun and I don't remember who the hell I was in that because I think, yeah, that I always hated that show. So, I mean, there, <laughs> I don't even remember who I was, but those are my first two shows I remember.
0: And, you know, it's funny because you were talking about singing and being in music um, even before elementary school. So was the acting thing just something because, or you really wanted to do something with
2: acting and maybe even singing? Wow. Well, I wanted to be an actor and I wanted to be a singer since I was little, um, you know, following in the footsteps of my family, my aunt, um, who was the singer was all she also did uh, like musical theater in high school and my dad did Gilbert and Sullivan operas in in the high school and so I mean they they had the thespianism in them already and the singing in them. So it kind of just got transferred to me. And like, you know, being an only child, you have no brothers or sisters to kind of go off of. So I was just trying to emulate them and and they influenced me in, um, in being an actor. And my grandparents would take me to shows in the Marriott Lincolnshire, and you know, or any shows playing downtown. So I, you know, I was heavily influenced by seeing so many shows. Of, I was like, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. I think I could be good at that. And, you know, I, I just pursued it. I jumped into it since elementary school. I got cast. And from there and, you know, all the way to now, I've been doing shows. So mm-hmm. it's it's been fun.
0: What I like about you and knowing you for so many years, you have this great swagger and confidence about you. Um, do you know where you got that from?
2: Absolutely no idea. I think... <laughs> I, you know, I, I think that as an actor, it, confidence is a, is a big thing to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've slowly understood that through the years of being turned down so much in so many different directions. Mm-hmm. But not just being turned down as an actor, being turned down as a musician when you want to hand your demo to somebody. When you're trying to push a song out to the radio and they're like, yeah, this is not for us. I've been shut down way more times than you can possibly imagine that um, I I just got to the point where screw it. I really don't care now. I'm just going to do what I want and I'm going to keep pushing myself and keep pushing whatever I have to offer until people say yes. Mm-hmm. And I I took that advice that I gave myself and it made me more confident in myself and, and you know, I got more yeses because of that. Mm -hmm. um so sometimes you just have to listen to that you know those inner thoughts that you have that are trying to tell you to go in the right direction because you know it's in a difficult time like this you know you're thinking it's a pandemic how am I going to make my you know make a career through a pandemic and whatnot well there's always other options there's always other outlets in in ways to really drive yourself to uh, to happiness and success that's great. Um,
0: so after, so you went to Harper college, um, and then after that you graduated, was the idea just to be a full-time actor? Did you even have an idea after you never graduated? Gra- well, actually I never graduated from college.
2: I dropped out of college. Really? So what made you want to do that? Or do you, can you talk about that? I never liked school. Um, <laughs> it's just sometimes school isn't for everybody. And, um, I, had a lot of trouble in school and and just paying attention to things you don't want to pay attention to. It just, it, it disinterest disinterested me. And, um, I, I dropped out, got a full-time job and I started working in any, any and every kind of industry I could think of just to make money and make ends meet, um, and pursue theater on the side. And, you know, I, I still did a couple shows at Harper too. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to pursue community theater outside of school, too, and try to, you know, do something different. And I was working in the medical uh, medical supply industry and, uh, you know, working in factories. I've, I've gone through so many jobs. I can't even begin to tell you how many jobs I've had in my life. I, at least 25 that a lot of them shouldn't even be on a resume, because I'm like, I don't like this, I'm leaving, and I'm to like, <laughs> on to the next one, you know, so I kind of pushed myself in every industry there is, you know, going to office, you know, office jobs, and, and everything, and whatnot, and far between, um, that I just, I just wanted to try something different, I didn't want to do school, um, mm-hmm. as much as Harper is a good school, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it, um, I couldn't handle the student loans, and whatnot, yeah. so I, I just started working full time, you know, from then on in and never went back and and just did theater at night while I was working during the day, nine to five.
0: How did your parents feel when you went up to them and you said, this isn't for me?
2: They were supportive of it. Really? And they understood. My parents have always been um, supportive in, in me achieving my dream. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something I'm very grateful to have because, you know, I'm sure out there there are people that, that don't have that. And um, I think that's a good confidence boost for me to really pursue what I've been doing because I'm, I'm 33 now and I've been at this for years and it's, it's hard in this kind of industry, in the music and theater industry to make it. And, and my parents know how many struggles I've had making it this far. So it's always good to have that.
0: Yeah. And I think going back to me saying your confidence and your swagger, I mean, for me, when I was, you know, I my parents supported me all my life and yet I never, I always struggled with accepting that. So for someone like you to accept that immediately, man, that helps a long way. Um, you know, as someone who was very awkward and is still very awkward, um, that acceptance really helps. Um, so you have a favorite job that, that you hated
2: a favorite job that I hated. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, um, I, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's an interesting one. I, I've, you know, I worked for insurance and MetLife insurance at one point, And oh, I absolutely hated there. Like I did not want to work in insurance and I know people that do work in insurance, but like insurance insurance, is annoying it's good to have but I don't want to hear about it from anybody and I was one of those people and I just like if you don't want to hear from somebody else and then you end up doing exactly that and you annoy yourself then you're like screw this out (laughs) and that's that's what happened I left I just walked out so at McDonald's McDonald's. I worked at McDonald's right out of high school and I told my boss, I was like, screw you. I threw my hat at him, dropped the mop, and I just walked right out and said, I'm Please, done. Please,
0: did you have the little welcome to McDonald's talk, can I help you today slogan? Did you do the drive through Yes, I did.
2: I worked the drive through actually.
0: I was I was saying, for someone like an actor, that had to be the best part of the job. When you have the little microphone, you can do whatever the heck you want on that. Yeah, but when
2: you have too many pricks at the window, you, you know. <laughs> well, there we go. And then the truth comes out. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the truth of the drive through industry. <laughs> um, it just, yeah, I, everyone worked those fast food jobs. I had, it was one of the, I think the only fast food job I ever worked. And uh, yeah, no one wants to work fast food. The only benefit you get is free food. That's it. Uh, other than that, you know, it's some money out of high school that, you know, they want kids to gain experience and you can go, if you want to work in the food industry, that is a great thing to start at. Is starting fast food, then work in a restaurant, then build yourself up to wherever you want to be in that kind of industry. Yeah, that I was say- not for me. That was not for me. Um, I really couldn't find a job that was for me. That was yeah. that was the hardest part. Is you know, what is making yourself happy? I mean, yeah. that's that's the ultimate thing. Is where are you going to be happy? I, and now I'm happy. I'm, I'm at a. I work for FedEx's logistics office and. And they had treated me with the utmost respect through the years, and I, it's the world of transportation that I, I never thought I would be involved in. Mm-hmm. And it's a great industry to be in, especially during a pandemic because things are always moving. Yeah. So I think I think you know I finally found my grounding, and um, you know they work around my schedule and stuff I like to do. So it's it's a win win. That's great. Um, so speaking of music, I kind of want to talk about your experience
0: with impressions and musicians. So you impre- imper- can do a great impersonation of Joe Cocker, and you did Men of Soul with Black Ensemble Theater. How did you, first of all, could you even know you can do a Joe and Cocker
2: impression even before
0: you got casted as him?
2: Yeah, I was on a cruise uh, with Phil Collins' son. Uh, I was working with his band at the time. and. Um, they have karaoke on the cruise and mm-hmm. you know I just figured uh you know shits and giggles I was like I'm gonna try this just just to see I've never sung Joe Cocker in my life As I sang one little help from my friends police went nuts and there were like big musicians and people from all over the world crowded in this room and they're like you gotta do that again so yeah. they made me actually two days later go back and sing the song again in front of the same crowd. And after that, I was like, okay, this, you know, I, I was a karaoke DJ at one point in my life. So I would just sing tons of songs. And I thought to myself, after the cruise, I should add this into my repertoire. And I sang it out, you know, whenever my friends and I went out for karaoke. And I saw this ad on, on uh, online of the Black Ensemble Theater looking for uh, a Joe Cocker and Billy Joel from Minnesota. Yeah. So I went I went to my wife, Catherine, and I went to a couple other friends of mine. And I said, I don't know. I was like, I've never done professional theater before. You know, I've, been, I've done community theater, but this is like huge because they're yeah. a big equity company, well-known mm-hmm. company. And I figured what the hell I could go in there. I had I had a full, full beard and sucked my hair back, you know, kind of like 80s Joe. And, yeah. and um, I went in. Saying with a little help from my friend's acapella. And it was like, he knew right then and there that he wanted me. Good feeling walking out of that audition. You know, something that, it, different. It's very different to walk in and do an impression of a singer mm-hmm. and sing in an audition rather than go and do like a monologue and you're like, shit, I, I, I got a line wrong. Or I didn't read <laughs> it the way I wanted to. Um, but it was just like, I got into the mindset of Cocker and, and just like sang. And, you know, he wasn't a great singer at all. He was a oh. raspy singer who didn't really care what anybody thought. And I thought, that is awesome, because I could sing it however I want to. And um, and that ended up being my big break. Honestly, that that show was one of the best moments of my life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, getting to be on stage as Joe Cocker every night, and just watching people go nuts was just exhilarating. It's like, dude, you want to live the rock star life? That was like being a rock star on stage. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not playing in front of thousands, you're playing in front of hundreds. But the show was like a rock concert experience with all these soul singers. So it was like you were the rock star and you see standing ovations and people going nuts. It's like one of the coolest things you could ever see. Um, you know, I, I remember going out and getting standing ovations from people, you know, at, not only after my song, but at the, at the end when they introduced me and you know, we form a line and people will come up to you afterwards and say, you know, uh, any comments to you. And funny enough, one comment triggered me to join the Blues Brothers from that show. Okay. Which we can transition to if you if you want to or later. But uh, Chris Jones from the Chicago Tribune yeah. gave me a review that said Pollock had the wild-eyed look of John Belushi. And enough gravel in his voice to fill my backyard path. And I took that to heart. And somebody walked up to me and goes, you need to be in the Blues Brothers. You are John Belushi to a T. I was like, cool. I, 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 all right. I'll, I'll, I'll believe you. I'm like, I didn't think so. Mm-hmm. And then I, <laughs> then I went to another guy and I was like, hey, somebody said I should join a Blues Brothers band. And the guy in the band was like, funny enough, we are looking for a Jake. And hell? I was like, it all works out, doesn't it? It all yeah, works no out in some, in some shape or form. And um, I auditioned. I sang a couple of low-town songs, and I got the role of Jake Blues in the Blues Brothers. Now four years. Four, four years? Yeah. Four years of the band. That's incredible.
0: And So I I have a question for now. We can start now. So you have now impersonated or took the role of John Belushi, Joe Cocker, Billy Joel, and Roger Ebert, which we'll get to in a minute. Which of these, you know, still holds with you the most?
2: Oh, Cocker, yeah, Cocker. Because I mean, everybody knows me for doing Cocker. Um, we went to a couple of years ago. Um, Black Ensemble flew to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, for the National Black Theater Festival. Mm. I mean, I was one of maybe uh, of our group. I was only one of two white guys in all of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, in that area. So it was nice to to feel welcome, and and um, they all remember. They all went nuts, it, and that was exhilarating. Like I thought, the theater performing at the theater that show was fun. But when we performed in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, it was a whole another ballgame. I mean, it was a way bigger theater with thousands of seats. We had celebrities from TV, film, and Broadway all seeing different shows, and they all came and saw our show. At one point and um it was that that to this day is probably my favorite show i ever did you know in my career because not only was it my big break but i mean it was it was something i'm still known for today and cocker is still stuck with me because in the blues brothers we do a tribute to joe uh joe cocker say, you, do, you do the tribute yeah because john belushi was was heavily influenced by joe cocker too in on saturday night Live, so we do that we do a tribute to Joe and I do with little help at every show and it brings like people go nuts every time we do that at festivals and theaters you name it yeah, yeah.
0: how did you find the the impression cuz when cause does that take a lot of research or do you just go with the music
2: no because I mean growing up I used to impersonate all kinds of celebrities I would listen to them and listen like really research them on YouTube and and whatnot and just try to get different voices down and, and, um, and different singing impressions. And, and really, it, it really wasn't that difficult when I really started to dig deep into the way Cocker sounded and <clears throat> like, you know, that's, that's, that's literally how where he gets that voice from is that deep gravel. So, I mean, I just started doing that and it, and it worked. I mean, that was the first time I would have to sing it five nights a week. At, at Black Ensemble, and yeah. um, you know, it just it's stuck with me. So I started to get better and better and more into him as the show. Because I really I was like, I had to analyze who was Joe Cocker, and I think the more I uh, I got to know who he was and and and, and how his voice became that way and, and his mannerisms, why he did all the uh, the the you know the seizure looking moments that everybody yeah. <laughs> looks at. Um, That it was, it was basically, you know, he he was a very interesting guy. And like, I don't know if not many people know his backstory, but on Netflix, there's a great documentary on Joe Cocker um, that I recommend people watch because it really digs deep into his life. And and I watched that too. And it really helped me get into the mindset and become like, I would close my eyes on stage and become him. You know, it's almost like a legends in concert kind of uh, moment, you know? So,
0: and I kind of now want to go into Roger Ebert, um, because then you did Black and White, the story of Chaz, the Black and White story, sorry, the story of Chaz and Roger Ebert. Uh, I didn't know this was a musical. Um, Did
2: this, was this like the world premiere at the theater? How did this come to, okay, this was. So, so Chaz came to see Men of Soul, and she saw me as, you know, as Cocker, and she said she loved it, which is a huge compliment coming from someone like her. And Jackie told me about it in in you know during the run, because I'm you know I'm a bigger guy and Roger was a bigger guy, and you know she suggested that I I come audition for little Roger and 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 I think Chaz agreed, and so I went out to auditions and I I forgot what I sang I sang something but I, it, it doesn't dawn on me, but um, I went to the callback. Uh, either I auditioned or I went to the callback. One of the two, because they already knew who I was. I, I was in the current show, yeah. so it helped. And, and um, uh, I went to the callback, and it was me and, and my buddy uh, 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 Matthew. So it was <laughs> me and him, as you know, going out for Roger. I ultimately got it, um, and it was hell going through it in a yeah. good way, in a good way because. I found out more about myself and my acting abilities than I ever had during that show. Jackie Taylor was one of the best directors I've ever had. She got like deep into my soul and brought everything out of me. And I think that could be one of the reasons why I'm so confident in myself now, is is she helped bring a lot out of me in that. It was such a deep, deep uh, experience to go through. but Chaz was also the sweetest and was very supportive of me as Roger. And, you know, in the end, we, we put on a stellar show and, and it, was, it was a lot to live up to. Joe yeah, Cocker was, was one thing. You know, Joe Cocker was one thing because he just recently died, at, you know, at the time. But then Roger Ebert, like, just passed away mm-hmm. when the show came out not too long before. So, like, and he's an, a Chicago icon, you know, right. and anybody involved in film, knows who he is and so that was the scariest probably the scariest acting job of my life because um I didn't want to screw it up I really studied him more than I studied anything else I've ever acted in um I I Chaz uh was very welcoming and invited uh Rashad Duan who played my my Chaz Hebert a uh, wonderful amazing actress singer and okay. singer and um, she helped, you know, I think we worked off of each other and we kind of got the relationship down to a team. Um, I had to play him from age 50 to 74 when he died. Wow. So it was, it was hard to, it was hard to play somebody in real life dying in, it was just like, it's so hard to get into, but I mean, but Ch- uh, Chaz welcomed uh, Rashad and I to her, her, her and Roger's house. Wow. And, you know, I got to sit in his office chair and sit at his desk. I got to try on his glasses, like he was known for his his actual glasses. And I, you know, I think when when that happens, when you when you you know put something on from somebody that you're portraying onto your body or onto mm-hmm. yourself, it kind of just, blends, you know, it really helps you get into that that headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all came together like that helped and just having, uh, chances, trust and faith and, and me playing Roger and Jackie guiding me, you know, to where I need to be. Um, as I said, one of the hardest acting, probably the hardest acting job I've ever done. And it was a great experience. People from all over flew in to see this. Um, you know, it didn't do that well, but at the end, um, They all loved uh, mine and Rashada's uh, portrayal of of Roger and Chess, So I felt that as was a win. Uh,
0: Do you think the spirit of Roger or did you ever feel like Roger was ever in the theater when you
2: performed with him? Yes. Um, I felt like he was inside of me in in some moments when I was on stage. Mm -hmm. Like I could actually feel his presence inside of me. Um, Opening night. They left a chair open for him right in the first row in the middle with his actual scarf wow. over it. And when I was dying on stage, I look up at one point and I swear to God, I saw a figure of him, like very briefly, sitting in that chair, smiling. Just mm-hmm. like that was it. Mm-hmm. It was like a brief look gone. And I told Chaz that, and she started crying, and she goes, I saw him too. Wow. So it was, that's why I said, it was such an emotional journey, that show, uh, in so many different ways. And I'll always be grateful uh, just for getting to play that part and getting to go through that whole experience because I, not many actors get that opportunity. So that, wow. was, that was huge. And to play an icon, too, that means so much. To the city of Chicago.
0: Uh, I assume you watched at the movies when it was on, right? I did. Yeah. yeah. Every week. It was great. Um, so moving on, um, when we got, I feel like we got closer because of this project you've been doing called Zooming Through the Movies, which which was originally from page to zoom. And then we well, done
2: Yeah, it was, it's Zooming the Movies. That's yeah. what it started at. And then I wanted to do a play series so we could do some plays called From Page to Zoom, yeah. a play reading series. Um, and then I created the TV series, and, and you know, I think, but those kind of died down because Zoom in the movies really took off Yeah, way bigger than I imagined. Um, how, did, how
0: did this start? I, I think, can I say, this may be off record, I think I know how this started. Um, Go ahead. Right, so we, you, me and t- and three of our other friends, we did a couple readings for a couple weeks. Like every other week we did, uh, we had a friend who was a playwright and he wrote mm-hmm. these satires of plays. And I remember we couldn't do it one week. And, yeah. uh, and so then like the next week later, you announced this page to Zoom or I'm uh, sorry, Zooming through the movies. And I'm like, hmm, I think I was part of the origins for this. Was I, am I right or how did this start?
2: uh sort of right um because our first movie we did was uh super bad and um uh yeah i mean it it kind of just spawned everybody was doing play readings and 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 whatnot and i just i wanted to do something different because everyone i knew on facebook was doing play readings because the scripts were easy to get so i thought you know what why don't we just have a series where we just read movie scripts and Mm -hmm. people could edit the scripts or, you know, and people could just get to relive, you know, their favorite roles in movies. And, you know, I I thought people would love that and, and I would love to do that, something like that. And I think it'll keep people entertained because if you think about it every Saturday night at the time, people, instead of watching your favorite movie, you could watch actors doing a Tamarini, your favorite movie, doing a different depiction of, you know, the characters and, and whatnot. And, and even if they don't want to do it, the actors will have fun doing it. Yeah.
0: Because we don't rehearse. We should, like, we don't no. rehearse. We don't meet any. We, you no. send us the script. A mm-hmm. couple days later, we, like, hey, how are you? Let's go. And yeah. so I, I'm i curious. Do you even read the scripts before we even start? Or are you just... No. Or, yeah, I, same here.
2: I, I think... I think we're on episode, I don't know, 25 now. We've done yeah. like 25 films since pandemic started, which is a lot, because a lot of these are like two and a half, three hours, too. Yeah, but I've never read one script, I don't think, since we started. Because I like to challenge myself, too. I like, I like it actually being a cold reading. Yeah. Like I will, I will see the script right when we have it up and just go through with it and just go on the fly. And then that's one of the most exciting things about this is we do this cold, cold reading style where a lot of people don't, some people do and highlight their lines. I know a lot of others that just throw it on their screen the day that we do these and, and just go for it. And I think that's one of the most thrilling things this has really taken off um, yeah. way more than I, I could have imagined. We now have, you know, over 400 people in the group and yeah. it went from like a hundred, you know, 50 to a hundred and then just kept building and, you know, picking some of the best movies that we can. And then uh, my buddy, Thomas Squires uh, helped me out and I needed some help because I couldn't do this all by myself. And so he jumped on board and as sort of like my assistant with this thing. And now he's running his own films on the side and uh, uh, Lindsey Bullion and a couple other people. So, you know, now we have different options each week where, where I'm still running it every week. I'm not doing it always every Saturday. I mean, if I'm booked on a Saturday, I'll do it on like third, like we're doing the birdcage uh, Thursday night instead of Saturday night. Um, Cause I have a gig, my last gig of the year with Blues Brothers. So, um, but normally they're on mine are on Saturday nights is they're during the week. And we usually have two a week. Um, sometimes we'll do three. You know, it's made a lot of people happy. And I am so, so thankful to everybody that's been involved, including yourself, um, that it's, it's really kicked off and, and gave people life, and gave actors life during this quarantine. And now I'm starting to see a lot more actors do, you know, movie script readings now. And, and I hope that I was, if they saw it from me, I hope that it was a good influence on them. Because yeah. all I wanted to do was give back to actors and give back to people I care about. By starting this thing and and the play readings and the TV readings, everything, I just wanted to give back in my own way, so this this is my gift. How many of the movies have you actually seen? or have you seen all of them? Well, I've seen all of them okay, I, yeah, I've seen all of them. I just ever read the scripts.
0: I was going to say because a confession, I think I have only seen maybe three fourths of all the movies,
2: so, oh, wow. <laughs> okay. yeah.
0: so all of them I'm just saying this might seem right. let's see what I, like when we did we did well, arena some-
2: go ahead. I I think sometimes it's nice because that's part of the thrill of the cold read is having not seen the movie, you know, and not reading the the script and you just see the script and the character for the first time. Mm -hmm. And and then you figure, I'm going to bring my own spin to this role. And I think that's cool because it's something different that people are not used to seeing. I've seen so many actors give their own spin to, you know, well-known characters that people know and love and still uh, they do a great job with what they do,
0: you know? Uh, it's like when we did Tombstone. Never oh, seen, God. Ne- we never see I never seen Tombstone and that was what three and a half hours?
2: It was yeah, it was almost three and a half hours. Yeah, I mean the last was... time I saw that movie I was like ten. So okay. I just went with it. That was an epic though. <laughs> we what twenty seven actors we had and the biggest amount of the movies ever had. Twenty nine actors.
0: That's crazy. Never
2: again. Never again. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we're doing birdcage and that has what 10, 12, something like that. Maybe and, even smaller than that. I mean, that. literally,
2: yeah. it's it's only 10, and that reads like a play. So I mean it's 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 a lot of us. Yeah. Is there one you really want to do that you haven't done yet? You know, that's a that's a really good question. Um, probably one of my favorite movie of all time is Hook. I oh. love that movie for everything it's worth. Um and just it's a star-studded cast. Um, so that's one I'd eventually like to do down the line. But I, you know, I get to do all the ones I like. I've done a lot of the ones I've always wanted to do. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say Hook. That would probably be my... That's a good, that's a good one. Yeah. My yeah. Where's the Blues Brothers script? Have you done that yet? Dude, there is no script of the Blues Brothers. Okay, fact, I had it's really, that. It's a really shitty script that it goes by really quick and it's all filled with music. So, I mean, okay. really, you can't really do... The Blues Brothers, over, you know, you have to share the screen and just play all the music the entire time, which would be boring sit and watch, you know.
0: <laughs> but, yeah. Um, my last segment before we get to your big announcement. Um, you write music, and you have an EP. I do. Um, and this, your first, now, the first song that I ever heard that you wrote, you wrote for your wife at your wedding. I
2: did. Uh, yes.
0: Something's Good's Coming Now. Was that your first time ever writing a song?
2: No. uh oh, okay. Um, I, I've written about... 50-something songs, um, I've been a balladeer for a long time. Yeah. I, I, had, I had a lot of trouble writing up-tempo songs and, like, dance numbers, and I've always wanted to do that. So I enlisted the help of uh, my friend Andy Blanco and the Blues Brothers, who play sax, um, to help me out with a song for my wife Catherine for our wedding. And I wanted something very – like, I've always been obsessed with that Motown kind of sound so like, retro soul – and, um, uh, he helped me write a song just that we performed at the wedding. The place went nuts. Yeah. Over 200 people just dancing and went nuts and said, you got to go and record this in the studio and put it out immediately. So I did that. I went in the studio. I brought in some musicians from the wedding. I brought in my own musicians. Um, we laid it down in like three days and, and, um uh, uh, I put it out there and, it's been played at Allstate Arena. Uh, it's been played on the radio. It's been uh, it's it got a lot of great exposure. Um, so so I, that that song still is one of my favorite songs I've wrote um, to this day.
0: My favorite. So you wrote a song, your second song, "Man About Town," mm-hmm. and for the first season of this show, we played it before every interview to get. Oh, did like, you really? Yes, we did. We. Oh my were, god! Thank like, you. I we I think. I just played it because I was the first one at our study hall study room. And so I would just play it and we would watch the music video, which was just a very fun music video to watch. And then we got into the song. And so we were just, you know, we're walking and we're just singing the main, chorus, the little man about town, man about town. Um, That's my impression. Um, And... (laughs) Well, we would just play it for the first season and, you know, it, it was always a lot of fun. And so we were always like, man, we got to get Man About Town Guy on the show. And so here we are. Um, here we are. Yeah, here we are. Um, so I, I also uh, asked you to come on because you have an announcement to make. Uh, something for, so something that's happening. Uh, please, what, what's going on? Well,
2: well, I have two announcements, actually. Go um, for it. Um, the first one, uh, um, my third single, actually, Holiday. Yeah, um, which uh, got released months uh, months ago. Um, we just shot the music video for uh, during quarantine. Um, we were all safe, so don't worry. We, you know, people were in masks, and uh, you know, when they weren't on set, and, and it was probably one of the best shoots I've ever been a part of. I mean, it's it's going to be ten times better than Man About Town. So that music video is going to be coming out uh, next month. So mm-hmm. I'll be premiering that. Um, secondly, um, I've been, I, I've dipped my hands in so many things for the years as a producer and, um, uh, as a promoter, um, I had a festival called Protoberfest, which is, uh, a festival devoted to progressive rock and jazz and rock and all kinds of things in between psychedelic rock, um, for five years. And I, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten it, uh, I've gotten it international and, uh, claim and whatnot. And um, I wanted to do something different, uh, not related to music. So uh, my friend Jim Alden and I, who Jim Ald, uh who you've read with before in Zooming yeah. the Movies, he helped start Zooming the Movies with me. Um, he was he stood up at my wedding. I've known him for years, and um, uh, we decided that we wanted to do a new works festival for uh, short plays, uh, full length plays. TV pilots and screenplays that, you know, for uh, to give a new voice to new writers and whatnot. And um, so we started the New Works Virtual Festival and um, it's, it's still building right now, but um, it is becoming one of the biggest undertakings I've ever been a part of. Um, what we're doing is, uh, it's a huge benefit for the Actors Fund. Um, and uh, and it's going to be a week long benefit from October 18th through 24th. Um, uh, make sure to visit all the socials of uh, New New Works Virtual Festival hashtag NwvFest. Um, and it's a star studded uh, star studded uh, festival that um, huge actors from TV, film, and Broadway. Um, we have Oscar nominees, Golden Globe nominees, Emmy winners uh tony winners tony nominees you name it everybody from stage stage and screen is a part of this um and we're gonna the poster and the press release will be going out uh next week um and um it's it's gonna be huge i mean it's we already have the actors running we're working with partnering with broadway world and and uh, a lot of other companies as well to bring this to fruition but we have a bunch of producers on board uh and advisors and uh it's, it's really going to be something big. I mean, the Broadway community is already talking about this, and it hasn't even started yet. So um, be on the lookout on, on my page and, and on, on all the socials. We have uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So we're going to be getting all our socials and basically introducing each star um, day by day uh, until leading all the way up to the event. And uh, it's, Our tagline is 20 plays in seven days. And I'm right sure. now, yeah, 20 plays in seven days, uh, that we're going to be doing. And, um, and we already have 150 submissions and there's going to be a lot more. So we have to weasel all those down to 20. So it's going to be a lot of work, but we have a big team, so we're, we're all working on it, but I'm, I'm so thrilled that this, 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 uh, idea came to fruition and, you know, people are 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 all on board that I would have never expected. That I didn't even think I would ever talk to, even. So it's it's going to be huge. That's great. No, I'm I'm
0: so excited to see it, and you know we'll keep talking about it on the show. Hello, listeners. Uh, I wanted to update everyone. So we have new dates for the New Works Virtual Festival. The new dates are October twenty fifth to October 31st. Kevin's EP will come out sometime between October and November, and the holiday music video that Kevin was talking about will is right now a TBA, meaning we will update you on that video as well. And if you're wondering what the new intro music was, well that was Man About Town from Kevin Pollock. You can find that song on all media platforms, and the music video you can find on YouTube. That is it for me. We'll see you then. Back to the show. Uh, Kevin, we have some time, and we're going to do a game. Mm-hmm. This game is called Time for Two, and it's two minutes on the clock, and it's, it's a series of random icebreaker questions. All no right. pressure. We just want to see what your opinion is. All right, okay. are, you, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, go would you rather live in a roller coaster park or a zoo a zoo brandon or brandon brandon uh who let the dogs out
2: uh chef ted danson your thoughts he's okay three men a little Threw men and a baby was all right
0: <laughs> um do you recommend art school for art students yes okay Uh, Besides this podcast, what podcast recommendations can you give? I don't listen to podcasts, so I don't don't know. Okay, great. Uh, Chips Ahoy or Oreos? Oreos. What is your zombie apocalypse weapon? Chainsaw. Old Navy or The Gap? Old Navy. Uh, What was in your high school locker? Sandwiches. Uh, favorite ABBA song? Uh, uh, uh thank you for the music. Um can you tell me how to get how to
2: get to Sesame Street? Two rights and then go straight up. Wonderful. Uh where's the beef? Um hiding behind the curtains. <laughs> uh, what shape is on the moon? Um oval.
0: <laughs> is there a house on the rising sun? Only if the
2: sun shines so bright that it breaks a window. Nice. Can you get by with a little help from your friends? Always. What's your favorite smell? Um,
0: Perfume. Jim Belushi or Dan Aykroyd? Oh, Aykroyd. Burt Reynolds or Turd Ferguson? Turd Ferguson. <laughs> and that's how we play time for two. Look at you, Kevin. My last question to you, Kevin, is... Are your parents proud of you? I think so. I yeah. think so too. Kevin, I can't thank you enough for coming on here um, and yeah we'll talk more about the new play festival very soon. Sounds good, thanks for having me dude. Thank you. So that's right folks, Kevin has announced the New Works Play Festival. It starts October 18th and runs through the 25th. 20 plays in 7 days is what they're calling it. All original content which includes full-length and one-act plays, television scripts, and teleplays. Kevin it will be the producer and the co-founder of the festival, with 100% of the proceeds going towards the Actors Fund. Actors, nice. Yeah, there's actors like Richard Kine, Carmen Cusack, Marley Matlin, Philip Hernandez, Jolie Fisher, Richard Pryor Jr., Richard Carn, and many more. Be sure to stay tuned for updates and go like the New Works Play Festival on Facebook. I'm really excited about it.
1: I I love Richard Kind. <laughs> From Scrubs. Sorry, I ju- sorry, I ju- just wanted to say that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I love Richard Kind too. He's great on Kirk. Hey, Griffin. So last time you were the temperature trucker. How's that going? Did you get a new
1: job? Uh, no, I still do that job. See See people always assume that I'm switching jobs, but really right. what I'm doing is adding jobs. Right. I still do all the jobs that i've mentioned doing in uh-huh. previous episodes of this show i just add new ones so for instance today i am now the official burger flipper
0: ooh
1: i know grabby patty uh yeah whatever kind of patty you want but here's the thing though i don't i just do the flipping like i don't season them i don't I, i'm that's that's somebody else's job i am just in charge of flipping them <laughs> Oh, man, I, I don't even have to watch them. They just they just come grab me when it's flipping time, and then I do the flipping. Man, so next time, folks, you go to your local McDonald's, Burger King,
0: or just any burger joint in, in general, be sure to thank Griffin McCorgle for flipping your
1: burgers, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I think we're just about ready to say goodbye now, Matt. Uh, why don't you tell everybody who next week's guest is, though? Well, wait, Griffin, can you tell us where people can follow us on? Oh, that's right. Of course. How could I have forgotten? Uh, You can can find us on Facebook or Instagram at Parents Proud Podcast. You can also email us at parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. We we await your emails. Please email us. (laughs) We really want, at least I really want your emails. All right. So sorry, now that that's out of the way. Matt, who is next week's guest?
0: We're going to have Claire Taylor the production manager from the Piven Theater, a local stage manager. This will be our first ever stage manager interview. Yay! I can't wait, and I hope you guys can't wait for our interview with Claire Taylor. We'll see you next time. I'm Matthew Shufrider. That's Griffin McCorgle. We'll see you later.
1: Bye, everybody. (laughs)